Call me first by the name uttered, by my earth, by my ocean. We create for the sake of memory. Each poem removes a year of childhood. How do elephants lift their feet with recollections so vast? Each hand holds a pebble. By night, we listen to their tales one by one. No one has ever found our soil. It is someplace old with a blackness that no longer remembers our name. If the now is a knife, then memory is my wedding, my proclamation of love. It is my deflating circus tent lungs, my electric twitch of a corner eye. Sink me like an eight ball. Call your pocket. Let it ride. By one name I found myself, uttered pain, of gravel, muse of all my lost trinkets. Sometimes the only option is forgetting. Other times, well, I'll tell you. I'm living faster than I can forget. There was once this form of execution, a man's head on a tree stump, an elephant, pressing down on the man's skull at the speed of everything remembered. This was the death of infidels, so silent, one by one. That is My Name by EA Tolls. Hello and welcome to Lux Occult. It's the podcast where we gleefully taunt the mundane butcher the latin and most other languages and also discuss a variety of occult topics i am your host lux estrada and if you are hearing this then this show and magic for that matter is for you if you want it there are a lot of different ways to be more free and using magic or making room for a spiritual practice in your life can be one of them As always, I don't speak for anybody but myself. Others can well and should disagree with me sometimes. How do we learn anything if we all agreed all the time after all? And like anybody should be, I am willing to revise my opinions based on new evidence. All right, so I am stoked today to share with you a very fun interview that I did with the poet and magician E.A. Tolls. One thing that stuck out to me about his work, which you can find on Instagram at sex underscore meat, M-E-A-T, this is like the kind of honesty and clarity of it. Like, what can I say? I'm a big fan of unapologetic individualism, working pretty hard on like cultivating more of that kind of thing in my life, especially coming from myself. And another thing that I connected with a lot was like this idea of using art as a means of deconditioning yourself. Um, from like the shame that surrounds sexuality in our culture. I used to think that the source of this was like mostly religious authorities, but I don't really think that's the case anymore. I've been thinking about this, you know, it's, it's not just religions, like, I don't know, like, for example, Christianity or the political parties or Scientology that want to tell us what to think and how to see the world. A lot of this is coming from like corporations too. Advertisements telling us what we should want to look like, for example, 
There have been several criticisms of Victoria's Secret, which is a company owned by L Brands that sells underpants made in prisons, which, I mean, that's a whole nother fucking thing. But this criticism is about something different, which is about how much weird photoshopping they do to change the way that their models look. This is something that's come up for them over and over again. But they wouldn't do this kind of thing if it, like, wasn't effective, right? If it, like, didn't work. So it must work. Like, these advertising people are talented magicians, after all, like, regardless of what they choose to call themselves. I feel like the theory behind it is pretty simple, actually. So they need their customers to catch a glimpse of something impossible, some like quasi-alien version of attractiveness maybe in this case um, that can only exist in the mind or maybe it's like closer to some extreme idealization of like the fashion industry's perverse obsession with thinness but whatever you want to call it they need their potential customer to catch a glimpse of something that transcends normalcy something that's sort of like beyond themselves i guess transcendent might fit here i don't know Anyway, you get a glimpse of whatever it is, and the message that you receive on a sort of subconscious level is that you can actually like get to this feeling of transcendence or whatever by spending your money, um, which a sidebar is a symbolic representation of the hours of your life that you work if you are, you know, somebody that has to work for your money, <laughs> um, which most people are. Um, so yes, that's a whole nother thing. But so this is constantly happening all around us, of course, but I wanted to use this example because I think it's a really easy one to get a handle on. So Victoria's Secret or its parent company, again, L Brands, want your money. They want your business. There's no surprise there, right? Like that's the case could be made that that's like the whole point of a company or companies or business or whatever. But in this case, though, like in order to get your money, they're willing to through intent use a creative process to produce something, an advertisement here, that alters something about the way that you see reality. Here, in this specific case, the little bit of reality that they are working on has to do with what humans look like, or maybe about what human beauty is or should be. It also has to do with how we attain the real underlying goal, which in this case is a desire for love and pleasure. Okay, well, whatever, right? We probably already get all this, maybe. I mean, I know these are not new ideas. It's just that it would be a lot less problematic and a lot less worth talking about and ranting about on my show if a byproduct of this particular cultural phenomenon, like the photoshopping and whatever, didn't result in people like dying from eating disorders and stuff. We could use a lens of psychology to take a look at the relationship between a brand like Victoria's Secret um, and there are many others, right? This is just one example. So between this brand and its customers. So corporations are people now, after all, right? So, okay, so if we look at it that way, it would be pretty easy to make the case that this is definitely an abusive relationship. Exploitative, really. I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> I called out this particular brand because I'm not a fan. I could go on, but it would basically boil down to fuck them. But if they didn't exist, someone else would be doing exactly what they're doing. It's not like getting rid of that one thing would change the broader reality of stuff. As long as these particular tactics of controlling people or controlling a little bit of people's view of reality or however you want to sort of frame that, as long as that's effective, I'm assuming that people will continue to use it. So, but 
we can be conscious to the extent to which we are involved in abusive scenarios. And when we see a way to participate less or to give less of our view of reality over, we can take that opportunity to take the power that we had been giving away before and instead give it to ourselves. Which brings me all the way back around to my original point about shame and sexuality. So the more shame we feel about this area of life, the less access we will have to that type of power and the easier we will be to control. And it's not just sex either, like emotional stuff too, like there's power in all of it. I was talking with my friend Dave from Unearthing Paranormalcy a while back and I mentioned something on this topic of like control and authority and everything. And he pointed out that there's this idea in sort of what we might want to call like old school occultism, Western occultism, that like knowledge or wisdom is associated with like the male in quotes and power is associated with the female in quotes. Um, I mean, obviously we both, we all have access to all of these things, like these so-called male and female energies or whatever, at least in my view, but that's a, that's a different matter. But um, they've made this really good point. I thought that this is perhaps why there seems to be such a cultural push in a lot of cases to make women weak and men stupid, which Dave meant here as being like ignorant or disconnected from like the knowledge about oneself or one's emotions. So yes, working on all of that stuff is very magically powerful and EA's work has definitely been an inspiration in this. Okay, so there's also this idea about communication that comes up in this interview. Communication is so fucking difficult, especially to do well. There are a lot of reasons for this. It's a whole can of worms, but in both a mundane and a magical sense, to be the most effective, one needs to communicate clearly and honestly. But this can definitely be experienced as vulnerability, so it takes bravery to enact this policy of communication. But it's worth doing or attempting to do because in both the mundane and magical cases, you'll be more easily able to do what you set out to do. There's also great power to be found in vulnerability too. This, you know, this dream of like truly being understood of authentic connection or whatever, like these are things worth fighting for. It might be, I don't know, maybe it's like a platonic ideal, like something that we know we maybe can't get to for real, but like maybe let's fucking try anyway. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there's, I don't know. There's a huge intersection though between poetry and magic. I mean, this could be easily many episodes, but I'll just, you know, point out that like written spells are basically poems and, you know, go on and on about this, but I'm definitely stoked to get to the interview with Yay Toll. So let's get the fuck into it here. All right, hell yeah. I'm so stoked today to be talking to EA Tolls, fucking mysterious poet that I have been following on Instagram with the amazing handle of Sweet Sex Meat Threat Level Dragon. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> How are you doing? Oh, uh, well, well, it's actually just uh, Sex Meat now. Oh, okay. There's there's a rebranding that's happened. It's an old branding. It was the original. I I started to think that sweet sex me third level dragon might be a little bit too um braggadocious. So toned it down a little bit. Also, hard to tell people your Instagram handle when it's that long. 
<laughs> it's our way to come to your mom well. and say, like, oh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My name is <laughs> It's an <laughs> the intricacies of social media aside, <laughs> I'm wondering, like, would you be comfortable telling me and the listeners, like, a little bit about, like, yourself and your practice and maybe your process? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so uh, I guess, like, one thing that runs pretty strongly through um, my work and probably my life is that uh I was raised in various Christian circles for a long time. Uh, like my, um, I grew up like in a Southern Baptist church, and uh, my parents aren't like extremely religious or anything. Like my mom, my mom is like a practicing Christian, but like she doesn't force it down anybody's throat. My, neither has my father, but like you know, if you're, I, don't, I feel like if you're black, you just kind of grow up in the Southern Baptist church. So like, I I grew up like that. Um, and uh, ended up going to a small private Christian college uh, after high school because it was the only college I could like kind of finagle my way into. And through being at um, the Bible Institute of Los Angeles, I ended up converting to uh, Eastern Orthodoxy and got very involved in like traditional um, Eastern, like quasi esoteric uh, Orthodox Christianity. And that's actually where the uh, the A in my name comes from. It's uh, my baptismal name, Athanasius. And from there, like, did the whole uh, early 20s Orthodox thing. Like, I got, I got married, um, eventually ended up leaving the church, uh, got divorced. Um, and through that process, like, one of the things that happened was I uh, kind of started to fall uh, in love with um, something that I had been doing in high school and a little bit of elementary school, which is like really learning a lot about various uh, kinds of esoteric magic. And after I left the church, um, it was something that I decided to start to invest in more deeply. So I, um, at the moment, I guess you could say like, I'm a very, very lazy practitioner of chaos magic. <laughs> if there is a chaos priest out there you'd constantly be chastising me for like not working hard enough i feel like if there's a chaos priest out there we should all be laughing at them just saying <laughs> yeah like i that's that is probably what should be happening but i have that like instinctual like christian daddy complex so like i'd probably search them out for chastisement <laughs> I understand what you're saying yeah, for yeah, sure. It's in there. Like, I, I, I admit it. It's there. Yeah, no, it's important to fucking recognize where those things crop up. Like, there's power in those realizations, yeah. definitely. I'm how to flip it. I'm, I'm learning how to flip it. But for the moment, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, everything is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I've been like really enjoying like reading some of your poetry and shit i've connected to it like i guess through the instagram platform whatever whatever works the way that you find these things but like i've been really struck by some of your like commentary which i kind of want to ask you about like one of the first things that kind of like cropped up for me was like the way that you contextualize the writing process and i was wondering if you feel like there's like an overlap for you i know we touched on this a little bit just now but like in terms of like 
that and the spiritual practice? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I, I've been writing poetry uh, since I was uh, like eight or nine, I think. Um, it's a little bit hard to tell when you get like that far back in years, it kind of gets like kind of foggy, but like, I I remember writing poetry more than anything else for a long time. And definitely like I can say since, uh, high schoolish or so. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed about poetry is that, um, for myself, the act of working on it and the act of writing it is, uh, very akin to the act of meditating, um, in comparison to like other forms of writing that I, uh, that I do like, uh, poetry is nothing like screenwriting. It's nothing like working on a novel. It's nothing like copywriting. It's just this really, really weird specific thing where you have to spend a considerable amount of time with yourself thinking about very specific things as minutely and specifically as you can. And one of the things that it reminds me of, um, like it reminds me of with prayer is this uh, process of just dialing yourself into trying to experience a very unique moment that kind of blossoms the longer that you spend time with it. Like, I don't, I don't know if, uh, like if you have, if you had the experience of like meditating and, you know, five minutes in, it's really, really fucking boring still. And then like maybe seven or eight minutes in, it seems like it's becoming this like very, very profound experience. And then like nine minutes in, it sucks all over again. And that's kind of how I feel about, um, about poetry. It's like the longer that you spend with a poem, there's these different things you can tease out of it, but the act of doing it is very, um, tenuous at best. There's not, I've, I've never had like moments where there's just like flash bang a poem. Um, I've had moments where I have to sit down and really think about something that's either difficult for me to grasp or um, unpleasant or complicated for me to get a handle on. And over the time that I sit with it, the more beautiful things can come out of it in a way that like, yeah, I kind of, I personally have experience with uh, long, long bouts of prayer at times. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. Like, I think that there is something definitely to that, like, kind of idea of this, like, kind of pressure building up, like, whatever medium you're working in, like, this, you know, you could call it whatever you want, like, inspiration or whatever, like, this thing that, like, needs to be expressed. Mm -hmm. And that kind of tension being the way that it comes into being. Yeah, well, I mean, like, for myself, one of the reasons that I, uh, one of the reasons that I've gravitate i've always like gravitated towards writing over anything else is because uh i have i feel like i i I feel like i have a very difficult time expressing myself to uh people when i'm talking i i feel like there are things that i say and they're never quite the thing that i want uh to be saying there's always something lost in translation and there is this uh constant (laughs) irritation and tension at trying to communicate and like not actually being able to get the thing you're trying to say across and i don't have to deal with that as much when writing as when i when i'm actually speaking with somebody like i can sit down and spend as much time trying to say something as necessary like i i can spend hours on six lines if i really really want to if i just i feel like there's something in there that like i'm not quite getting and and also that being said like i don't do that <laughs> like i could but i don't <laughs> do that. that sounds terrible 
but there's like, <laughs> it's like a, that's something you can't really do with people most of the time. You can't just be like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk until we understand each other a hundred percent of the way. Like we're not going to let our emotions get the best of us or get in the way of this communication. We're not going to let like let our past experiences get in the way of this communication. We're just going to like, we are going to communicate and completely understand each other. Like that shit doesn't happen. That's fucking impossible. God, yeah. And, but that's the fantasy though, right? Like that's what we all yearn for in some ways is like, just please fucking understand yeah. what I'm saying. Understand like, me. like I don't think there's like anything more that I want in life than to just be like, I want to be held and understood. And the extent that I want to be held and understood is just not feasible <laughs> to live your life. Like I, I can't be held and like understood 24 seven. It's, it's impossible. I, I, I don't have a nanny. I don't have somebody to do that for me. Well, and even if you did, like, I mean, how how closely could they really contextualize their experience with what you're experiencing, too? So, like, it is this weird, like, tension between, like, the dream and the reality. And, like, and I think that that's actually really beautiful, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I think there is, like, a lot of beauty in what is picked up in the in-between spaces of how people communicate with each other. Like for all, for all of the miscommunication that happens and all the misdirection that happens when we speak to each other, it's really beautiful how like, even with that happening, we can still forge like such unique and strong bonds between each other. And a lot of times, like some of those bonds are built off of how much was miscommunicated, (laughs) to be honest. Yes. (laughs) No, that's a great point. Like, I mean, this idea of like my oh, dog is going crazy. That's okay. Oh, look, what kind of dog do you have? He just got like really angry. I, I, I have a I have an dog uh, who um he's like he's part collie, part dachshund. Um I think there's a little bit of timber wolf in him too. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, he, um, he does periodically decide to start barking when um my neighbor comes around. Uh, well, he has important things to tell you. I mean, that's why we keep them around, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the only reason, like, he's allowed to live here because he'll lurk near where I live. God forbid somebody come to my home. My thought, I'm sorry. I know, that's totally fine. <laughs> so, okay, we've been talking, I, I think we've hit on this a little bit, but, like, do you have any ideas that you would like to share about sort of this like idea of like maybe the, like the nature of like the source of inspiration or like I think that people that are into like making things might think about this a lot like how, like what is the nature of the source from which that impulse springs? That's a really good question. Uh, and honestly, I go back and forth on it all the time or some of the time, most of the time. I think I probably have, um, for the most part, I am not a um, believer in inspiration um, or a muse when it comes to work, Uh, partially because, um, not to say that I don't believe that people get inspired, like, I I definitely think that, like, people are inspired by things and we all feel it, but, like, I don't, I don't think of um, the act of uh, creating uh, to have anything to do with a muse or a... um, a large amount of uh, outside influence other than what's actually within the person. Um, I, I think a lot of, um, I think a lot about 
creating art to be very similar to um, any other form of craftsmanship. I don't think that there is a huge amount of difference between somebody writing a book or novel uh, versus somebody who is building a chair or um, like uh, my dad does sheet metal work. Like, I don't think that there's a whole lot of difference between like when he's creating something versus when I'm creating something other than that they have different, um, they have different uses, but they're both things that are very creatively crafted and both things that require a lot of um, a lot of te- technical know-how from the person who's cr- who's making them, but that at the end of the day, I, I I think that art is very similar to like most forms of uh, craftsmanship. I really like that contextualization of it, actually, because like not only is it accurate in a lot of ways in terms of like what people might be trying to do in terms of like using art to communicate their ideas like it's a it's a tool or whatever but like just this idea of like getting away from the (sighs) i don't want to say gosh i'm struggling with the semantics here but like i don't want to say like egocentricity of like the process of creation but like oh oh yeah yeah i'm just like this idea of like it's not really necessarily about you I don't know. There's there's definitely something there. Yeah. In terms of like thinking about like how are you putting your work out there? And even in terms of like just in a purely pragmatic sense, you know, if you want to take it there in terms of like how can I get myself into the mind frame where I can actually do this? And I don't know, divorcing the ego from it, I do think could be a very helpful fucking step which makes sense in what you're saying like i think i honestly think it's like one of the most uh i think it is one of the most necessary things to do when creating art uh to to a certain degree like i i just like i i remember when i was uh in high school and like most high schoolers like i had these these um these fantasies about like being a rock star and shit and uh, I remember, like when I was uh, when I was in uh, my senior year, like one of my one of my dreams was like I wanted to write books that like were as widely sold as Stephen King or like shit like that. And so much of like the initial ways that I thought about making things had to do with like this um, <clears throat> this like rock star commodification of creating art. It's just so much of my initial thoughts were more about um the fame and celebrity celebrity that go along with the uh act of being really really great at something and not really the um the larger implications that can come go along with them like it took me years and years before i really started to appreciate the value of artists who um created work that like changed society that like really had deep meaningful impacts on the way that like a lot of social structures work like artists who wrote things that like actually caused people to look at the world that they live in and start to question these um these uh different structures that exist that dictate our lives and that that a lot of people just don't ever really pay much attention to and i think it's really uh really stupid that uh, (laughs) yeah i think it's like really 
really bullish that there are still um, people my age um, who think that the more the more important um, thing about being an artist is all of the celebrity and not doing like not not being a craftsperson who is trying to create something that serves a purpose to a to, serves a purpose to society as a whole rather than just like oh yeah you know this, i want to be like you know i want to be the next fucking Bukowski man it's like no fuck that shit like what's the reason that you want to create art is it like is it just to like see your name on something which granted i will say pretty sick when it happens sure but like that could be like a side product right like that's a to me like that's the side product of the thing yeah like i um thinking about some of my favorite authors um a lot of them are like people who uh by standards of like society uh really didn't fucking make it um and ended up being like very tragic figures um and but even then like i feel like there's a certain way that we celebrate like certain kinds of tragic figures over others but like one of my um one of favorite authors is uh richard wright um he's writing around like the same time as um james baldwin and he was uh at the time that he's writing he was known as being like an extremely angry uh black writer who like presented the issues of racism in a fashion that like made his audience extremely uncomfortable and like it made his contemporaries uncomfortable like james baldwin was james baldwin was like hey richard like maybe the way that you depict uh black people is like a little bit too polarizing and like richard wright um got ran out of the out of the country by the fbi more or less and like spent like the last uh the last uh grip of his years like bouncing between different um between different countries in europe because like he couldn't get back over here and not be surveyed or surveillance and uh yeah like even to this day like there's not much academic uh work put into like richard wright studies because he's seen as like one of the lesser writers of the Harlem Renaissance, even though like he was one of the, he was one of the most prominent ones. And it's like, in, in my eyes, like that's, that that's like a really good artist. Like he sacrificed so much of his life just to be able to create something that he thought would benefit people and benefit society. And it didn't pan out very well for him at all. But like at the same time, we're fucking talking about him now so like that's something at least yeah it definitely leaves a, leaves a legacy yeah no i mean that's that's the other thing like these stories like they end where we choose them to end like maybe this person's legacy can be more meaningful <laughs> than, than you realize right like yeah. i don't know no no I, I i do think that um i do think there is some truth in that and also like I don't know. I, I feel like I feel extremely hypocritical anytime like I say anything about like egotism and art because like I also don't think you can really separate yourself completely from your art. So like there is one to do it. I totally egotism in there. Like I I write tons of poems about like me masturbating. That's a, a common theme in like my writing. Me too. <laughs> I obviously am somewhat concerned with myself. 
And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Like the narrative that we've been sold that like one should not be concerned with the nature of one's own self. Yeah. Like I, I don't I'm not sure that that's like helpful. Like, yeah, maybe you should investigate the nature of yourself. Like that's okay. Like, I feel like I should be deeply concerned with like how it is that I exist in the world, but I should not take that concern so far as to allow myself to become a megalomaniac. Absolutely. Yes. Like, do your thing. Just don't be a fucking dick. Jerk-off poems are cool, but like, don't be a dick about it. (laughs) Or whatever you're into. (laughs) Whatever you're doing, do it. And do it well, but just don't be a fucking dick about it. (laughs) There are many other things you could like not be a dick about. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many things that people could not be dicks about. So... Let's not be dicks about them, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like oh, I feel like we could all just like make lists of things we could not be dicks about, and everyone, if like we all just like pick ten things and concentrated on them, like these ten these ten things, I will not be a dick about. I think that society would like definitely be going in a better place. I love this idea. So, okay, everybody listening, you should everybody listening, you should definitely make a list of ten things that you would like to be less of, of a dick about. And, you know, kind of uh, work from there that these are great yeah, ideas. Because right <laughs> like, as I said that, I was like, I, man, I, I need a list of 10 things I should not be a dick about. <laughs> I, like, I, I feel like my five. list would be like a well over oh, 12, yeah, like, 10 yeah, things. Well like, over 10, like, I, can, I think off the top of my head, I can think of like maybe 30 things I, sh- I should stop being an asshole about. Yes, exactly. Like there's so many things there. Yes, introspection is an important thing. Okay, how would you feel about taking a bibliomancy break? I feel like we've gotten into some like deep territory here. Yeah, I'm, I am more than happy with a bibliomancy break. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, so the way that this usually works is that I ask the guest to ask a question and then flip a coin if you have one if not that's okay i will flip one for you and then roll a d12 and if you don't have one i will roll one for you and then we can receive the insight of eris all right i um actually just moved so i can't find my d12 but i do have a coin on me okay cool well go ahead and ask your question uh out loud or to myself i w- usually have people ask it out loud oh. But you can ask it to yourself if it's like uncomfortable. We can do that that way too. That's totally fine. All right, I'm gonna ask it to myself because it was I, I thought of a very um specific personal question. Okay, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so focus on your question, and if you have one, flip a coin. All right, heads. All right, and I will roll a d12. It is number three. It's going to be from the Book of the Law by Alistair Crowley. (laughs) All right. Maris, please give us insight into the answer to the question that Yatels is wondering about. Beauty and strength, leaping laughter and delicious languor, force and fire are of us. We have nothing with the outcast, and the unfit. Let them die in their misery, for they feel not. Compassion is the voice of kings, 
stamp down the wretched and the weak. This is the law of the strong. This is our law and the joy of the world. Think not, O king, upon that lie, that thou must die, verily, thou shalt not die, but live. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, actually, yeah, surprisingly well, actually. <laughs> yes, she really disappoints. Thank you, Eric. Was, um, um, it, was, it was the answer that I wanted to, but like, not the one I wanted to deal with. This is often the case with these things, yeah, right? I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I don't deal a whole lot of uh, divination, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yes, sometimes the revelations that are seen are not those that are welcome. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just, just don't don't read me like that. Like it's unnecessary. What makes <laughs> my ignorance is uh, generally my, uh, my point of view. Well, at this point. I usually like to ask people if they have any thoughts about like divination or randomness or anything like I've we you've already touched a little bit on you're like I'm not super into divination but like any thoughts on that well, I'm like, trying I'm trying really hard to be like I um I do want to have a uh, a regular divination practice so like I do I do read my um tarot cards like I try to like at least like three times a week and um Every time, it's uh, something that I don't want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> like generally, like generally across the board, it's something like I just like I don't, I don't need to be told how to better my life at all at the moment. But like, like I, I, oh gosh, but like the like the really good friend that you have is the one that will like tell you this shit that you don't want to hear. Yeah, I've right? rid like, of all those friends. Like we don't talk anymore. <laughs> My phone is on most of the time. <laughs> like I just don't deal with it. <laughs> like as as I moved, I just set my altar up. Uh, like maybe like two or three days after I moved in, I have not unpacked my tarot cards yet. Okay, so you're like in like a serious state of like kind of transition and stuff. And I also, but I also have like a pack on my um, I have a, a the mother piece deck that sits on my um my writing desk and also like as i work or like as as we're having this conversation like i keep like looking over at them and the one that's like on on the deck facing me is it's it's a lot about uh introspection okay do you want to share with us what the card is no i'm just gonna ignore it okay. <laughs> <laughs> you see in like movies people have like a picture of like their uh like their family member who they don't want to disappoint they just like slowly put it down on their desk that's me like with my tarot deck all the time just always face you away from me yeah okay so reading a lot of your stuff like i feel like there's kind of this like sense of tension in your work like I mean, obviously, there's this, like, sense of sexual tension and stuff, which, I mean, obviously, like, I totally get. And, like, I do think that, like, that taps into something deeper, like, this tension between, like, the individual and the, like, kind of systems that the individual exists in, which I I, I feel like that sexual tension is, like, one of the most basic forms of that. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of thinking about these systems, like, how we could, like be aware of them and sort of like confront and 
interact with them um, in a way that's like productive in like an artistic or magical sense or other means? Uh, to be honest, like that's something that I'm still actively trying to figure out myself. Um, like, uh, so my poetry is, I, I'd say like the two biggest themes that exist in it are probably uh like my own personal sexuality in accordance with the traditional Christian values that I was raised around um, that I didn't necessarily agree with or accept, but like regardless of that, like still deeply informed, like my own anxieties and uh, yeah, my like, my like deeply fueled my own anxieties and also um, the issues of um racism um as experienced as somebody who is cut off from a lot like mostly cut off from like uh the african-american community who's been like mostly raised around like rich evangelical white people and like in both of those uh, in both of those um themes i have been trying to resolve this like this interior tension that i felt which is how do you make sense of experiences that make you feel deeply wrong inside even though you can intellectually explain why you shouldn't have those feelings or intellectually explain like why it is that you are experiencing so like why it is that you're having these feelings um there's like a there's a massive disconnect there in my head and in my soul and i don't really quite know how to understand it so i've been i've been i've been using poetry to like try to suss that out for a long time like I, I, I often mention like my jerk off poems because like I've been writing them for a very, very long time. Like uh, since I was um, still one of the, since I was uh, back at Biola, um, like the first, since like the first few months that I was like investigating into the Orthodox church, uh, I've been trying to like get a handle on how I exist as a sexual person or how I exist as a black person and how that relates to these different systems that permeate all aspects of my life that I don't really have any say in that I'm um, that I'm just kind of a part of by the very nature of being uh, born in the United States of America. And one thing that I have found is that that form of self-reflection is a, for myself at least, a particularly um, maddening experience. Uh, because the more that I think about it and the more I reflect about it, the less I understand about it. It's almost as if like the more that I can, the more that I gain like uh, clinical therapeutic ways to begin the discussion based off of like things that I'm reading, uh, based off of time spent in therapy, based off of time spent with my writing, uh, just like the very nature of trying to understand these things more, make them even more incomprehensible for, uh, to me. And that incomprehensibleness is what I'm trying to, uh, it's what I'm trying to like write and figure out, which is uh, a very long way of saying like, I have no fucking idea. Dude, oh my God. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. No, I super connect with what you're saying. Like, I mean, obviously my experiences are much different than yours, but like this idea of like having this thing and like wanting to communicate it to other people and really just kind of grasping for what that might mean like no i fucking 100 percent get it that's all you can do is like really just grasp because like the, the more that i 
the more that I try to understand, the less I understand. And I guess like in that sense, it's, uh, it's very, it's very similar to like uh, esoteric magic is like the more that I think I understand about things, the less I really understand about the way that like various systems are in place and like my role in relating to them and interacting with them. And it becomes, um, yeah, it's just like, I, I, I just like live in a constant state of like bewilderment and confusion. Cause like, there are there are things about like my poetry and trying to understand like sexuality throughout that that make a whole lot of sense on paper to me but then like in actual life you know fuck all means nothing absolutely (laughs) that and then coming back and like trying to like also synthesize that into the body of work that i'm like building only problematizes and complicates it more and I, like I'm, I'm, I'm always just like, I'm just confused. I'm just very, very confused and scared and uh, aching. And I think that the most that I can do with that is try to make a uh, make something that communicates that to somebody else and either helps them to understand why people feel like that or can be um, helpful for them because somebody's feeling something akin to what they feel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons that I connected so strongly with your work is like just this like really fucking pure honesty about it. It was like, and that's what we're all trying, I think, as creators to get to. And you've been fucking doing a great job of it. I just want to say. I I mean, I grew up on the mean streets of Tumblr, so I'm all about that vulnerability. (laughs) All right. So you had talked a little bit a while back about like thinking about like writing or like creating art in terms of like, you know, we touched on this before, like this like idea of like, you're not necessarily doing it for yourself you know like there's this like the ego or whatever you want to call it like there's this the self like there's this like drive to be expressed I don't know there's there's also like something more to that like getting to the basics of expression like I know this is like a very loaded question loaded and abstract the better for me okay (laughs) all right well hell yeah i would love to hear your thoughts about this um i i honestly think that like a big part of um art like the like at the root of art is like this very i think like it's kind of a microcosm of the macrocosm which is that um at the end of the day like human beings need community uh we need other people And it's a very necessary thing for us to survive. But one of the things that, uh, especially like nowadays, like with with the way that a lot of people are aware of the horrors of the world, uh, one of the things that is one thing that I feel like is uh, very much on the surface level is that uh, an inability to communicate is deeply rooted in why we are not able to have community with each other. And there are different instant. There are different ways in which that lack of communication manifests itself, like different extremes. Like, I want more than anything to know that I belong to people who care and love me a lot. Uh, 
one of the things that keeps me from feeling like I belong is the friction and tension that is created because of my miscommunications or other people's miscommunications or just the uh, totality of how difficult it is to communicate. That's what separates us from each other. And that separation runs counterintuitive to like what we want. And I think that that's kind of what the attempt at making art is all about. Like if, if a chair is supposed to be sat on, art is supposed to make you feel a part of something like that's that's it's uh that's its end goal in my opinion and that's where you get these like that's i think that's where like a lot of the maybe like positive ego comes in because like you can't well like one of the things that like also keeps me from having good wholesome community is like the role that my ego plays in it it's the fact that like my my ego is fractured by uh, trauma and mental illness and oftentimes uh, more than anything else, like a uh, inability to understand my own needs and wants. Uh, and those are all things that like, or not all of them, but like the latter uh, are th- is something that like pertains specifically, specifically to like my ego and pertains to like my singular, my singular existence and my perception of that existence. And I need to understand that so that I can better be a part of communities in the same way that I think like an artist needs to understand like their ego in a lot of senses, like their specific existence so that they can better create um, art that like makes people feel included and like really branches out and connects us as human beings. Um, And there's like a lot of, there's a lot of ways that that goes wrong. Like a lot of ways that it just, doesn't work out well. Um, but I think that like, it is an artist's uh, job to constantly uh, pursue excellence in that craft of trying to better um, reach out and pull humanity into like be a community with itself. Fuck yeah, dude. Well stated. Thank you. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I like i for years like i struggled with like the idea of like what is um like as a as a black person who makes art like what is it that i'm supposed to be doing by making art um like what am i supposed to write about is it inherently about blackness because i as a black person am writing it or like what's like what's the in purpose of it like what what's the point of this like i could still just be like writing poems about masturbating like I could write poems about anything like what is the overall thing that I should be trying to do? And Mm. I, I think that like a big part of um, that uh, process of making art for myself is like to better um, explain different aspects of my experiences and the experiences of a lot of people who look like me and write them and explain them in a way that helps people to understand that this is something that is keeping um, some people from feeling, uh, keeping some people from feeling like they're part of uh, the global community on a whole. And there's different routes to go. Like there's different ways to go about doing that. But I think that's like at at the end of it, like really what uh, making art for the folks who are doing it should really be about. 
yeah, I know. I totally agree. Like this idea of like, how can I share this experience with you? And make you understand. <laughs> yes. Like that's, that's all it's really about at the end of it is just fucking trying to be understood. There are lots of, um, there are a lot of instances on like day-to-day, uh, a day-to-day basis where I kind of have like some of the things that I care about in um, my work reinforced through like interaction with interact in like real one-on-one interactions with people. And yeah, it's just like not to get, not to, not to get too political. <laughs> You're going to as political as you like. That's okay. That's, that's a mistake. You shouldn't have said that one. <laughs> <laughs> So like I remember when um when uh uh like like briefly after uh, George Floyd uh, was murdered uh there was this like this outpouring on social media with people I knew about like you know abolishing the police and like defunding the police and like we got we got to like you know finally come and reconcile the issues of racism that exist in our country and we're going to do it now and um I was uh, I was I was initially very uh, confused by the reaction of a lot of people who um, who I knew uh, posting about these things because a lot of those people who I knew uh, were people who I went to college with uh, for like seven eight years ago or so who I've like kept in contact with who um, I had at times spoken with about the various murders of like unarmed black people over like the last decade or so and. I remember just thinking like, why is it that you guys are listening now? And like, you weren't listening before. Why is it that like, we've been trying to, I've been trying to have this conversation and like, was not being heard before. And like, why is it something that like, you're listening to now? And at that root of my frustration, like the root of my frustration was just like, why, why, why like have, like, why, what have I been saying wrong or have I not been saying something the right way to like, actually be heard about this about this issue and that's when i started writing much more about um about the experience of uh of being black is because i was so jarred by that um by the incongruity that existed that fucking totally makes sense 100 percent. do like that was like one of the things that i kind of thought about too is like like this shit has been fucking going on for like a really long time. Like why is this all of a sudden now? Like, I will, I mean, it's good that that people are fucking realizing it, but it's like, it was like this weird thing for me where it's like this. Yeah. Like, obviously this is a fucking thing. Like, where have you been? Like, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, It's just like, um, it's something that, um, I, I think about a lot when it comes to when it comes to creating art because like at the same time like i also do know that there's a little there's a i i was gonna say a little bit like there's probably like a lot of my ego that's invested in like trying to figure out like why it is that people weren't listening when i was saying something that like probably should be like more attached to like why weren't why weren't people like listening in general and i think that's like part of the balance of um also like trying to like make art that actually is in communication uh with like the larger world on a whole rather than just yourself is like if 
an individual is creating art, um, they are going to bring their um, personal uh, experiences into it. Like it's it's impossible, but those personal experiences are tailored by like so many different things in our society, and it's so difficult to keep track of like how much of myself am I investing in this more than like maybe should be for like the role that I think I should be playing in it. And how much of it is like me trying to detail like an experience that like I feel as if is very relevant to the conversation. And yeah, it's just like I said, I'm just I'm just confused a lot. I'm just very confused a lot. Understanding these things in these like larger contexts, just this idea of like really trying to like bring it down to earth for people like the experience whatever that experience is and being able to like or or having the dream really of trying to make this pathway where people can connect to this thing that you've seen mm-hmm. yeah i um because like I I I do think of things like very abstractly and like on a very like unnecessarily large way I think, but like at at the end of the day like I remember uh, when I first started like posting poetry on Instagram, uh, one of my um one of my friends who I went to like who I went to Bible college with in the honors program that ended up converting to Orthodoxy like along the same time as uh, me. Um, like maybe a year or so uh, before I apostated from the church, um, she did as well. And uh, she hit me up about like a couple of poems that I was posting. And she was like, hey, you know, like, I really appreciate these things that you're writing about, like all of the weird, uh, the like a lot of the weird, like sacramental marriage bag that you have. And she's like, yeah, I just like appreciate reading it. And like, I know there are other people out there who like have this very specific um, experience that like would also enjoy reading that as well. And and it was like the first time that I realized that all like all of the like very grandiose ideas that people think about art uh, are like kind of bullshit. uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bullshit because like somebody somebody read a poem that I wrote. And like it made them feel better about like a similar situation that they experienced. And like, really, what other reason is there to make art? Like, if one person like engages in something that you made that like makes them feel heard or recognized and like feel as if somebody else is acknowledging their humanity along with them, like that's the only fucking purpose of it. Dude, fuck yeah. Like, if there's one fucking person that hears the show that I make connects with it and it helps them in their life it's all fucking worth it yeah and it's just like and the thing is like it's so like easy to do in some ways (laughs) one person can be affected by like anything that people create and like that's more than if you don't create anything at all well and also like on the flip side of it like i've been that person right like i've connected with things that it was like yes like this is something that's so helpful for me, you know, mm-hmm. and like this will get me closer to where I want to be. And like, I guess maybe that's like, I guess a high aspiration that we can have as creators to like have this happen for the people that enjoy our work. Or I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is going down quite narcissistic rabbit holes, but like, 
I think that's so much better than like, oh, I hope to like make this much money doing this thing. And I hope that like so many people see me in like this stadium and like that kind of shit, like just like boiling art down to being actual like human experience in like a very tangible way makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, dude, that fuck yeah, <laughs> totally makes sense too. <laughs> like, that's really what it's all about. Things too. Okay, so I've asked you a lot of questions. Like, is there anything that I didn't ask about that you would like to speak on, or that? Uh, do you have any questions that you want to ask me or anything like that? I or? feel like I've definitely spoken more than enough tonight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate all of the insights. Like, like generally, generally speaking, like um, across the board, like most of my friends know, like there are like three things you should not get Eric talking about at all. And like, we talked about all of them tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay to talk about things that are not okay to talk about yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know a lot of people are of this opinion i personally just think you should write about them <laughs> yes like this is a great it. just go write it down someplace definitely like the practice of journaling is super fucking super central to, to my work and i think to a lot of people that are um having a lot of like good results from the practice of like magic or a spiritual practice like journaling can be really central to that mm-hmm. and like writing things down in a book or whatever on a fucking post-it note it doesn't fucking matter it really doesn't just fucking write it down yeah, that's all it is like <laughs> just like get it out of your body and your brain and like just exactly like file someplace and don't overthink it write it down in whatever way presents itself in the moment compile those thoughts later that's actually like uh one of the reasons i ended up posting like i i post a a gross amount of poetry on instagram uh and one of the reasons why is like i mostly just use it as like a i i use poetry as like a journaling uh technique mostly and uh when i'm finished with this like well i I got a poem like let's just throw that on the internet there's definitely something like magical in that act though like where you're you know casting it to the what could be contextualized as like the vast subconscious of our <laughs> new culture? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's true, and it um it works out in like really weird different ways. Like you meet you meet people, uh, you like create friendships. Um, it's super 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 weird. Like um, actually, like my my partner um and I are we met we met on Tumblr, uh, back when I was writing like jerking off poems awesome i love it (laughs) the internet is a weird ass place (laughs) yeah it really is but like it's an interesting new territory that like i feel like we could sort of have a lot of a hand in in how we want to make it like maybe people haven't been thinking about this very much but like maybe it's worth thinking about right like what kind of like space we want to build you know a hundred percent agree with you like i have um I I'm not a Luddite, but like I have a slight, or it's more it's more than slight. Like I I have, I have a, a somewhat fear of um like what it is that the internet is becoming, and like how few of us have as like 
you know, it, 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 originally it was like a place for like a lot of us to um, come together and meet people very easily. And over like the last couple of years, it's just become like more and more monetized and like more controlled by corporations that like, like corporations that don't have our interest at all in mind. So like, I feel like we're at this really odd precipice with the internet of like, how, how is it that us individuals can like continue to stake a claim in this thing that like has become such an important um, factor of our lives? Yeah, I know, dude, absolutely. And like, I don't know, just this idea too of like, there's, you know, that there's this like kind of dream of like pirate radio or whatever. Yeah. Like, we have we all have a stake in it like it's it's an evolving system Mm -hmm. right like and all systems like if you observe them from a far enough away perspective you can see that they all like share common characteristics so like understanding that and understanding how that works like you know what kind of things are we going to be introducing to this system this i guess you could contextualize the internet as sort of like a weird super organism like what kind of things like do we want to feed it and you know the people that are connected to it i guess i don't know no, no, that's i think that's like uh, i think that's like spot on it's this it's kind of like this living breathing thing that it, it's not only it's not only like a new organism but it's also like a new virtual reality organism like so much of our lives exists on this virtual plane and it seems as if like we have less and less control over like i instagram is like one i have like a love hate relationship with instagram and just like social media in general because like you, you can spend fucking like six hours it is quite terrible but it's also very powerful it's it's this like weird addictive thing in the palm of my hand that like gives me things that i want but also takes away like god it's just weird hours go by and you're like wait what have i been doing all this time (laughs) but at the same time like the people that i'm talking to like i'm hearing all these amazing stories and like it's so there's Gosh, it's very complicated, right? Like, I feel like you might be using it much better than I do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just luckier. I don't know. <laughs> when, when you read articles online about like people with like Instagram issues who like just their phones like a time suck thing. That's me. I am all of the worst things that like you can imagine about somebody with a smartphone. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I try so hard to like. But at the same time, like, it's so exciting to, like, hear from people that are, like, connecting with the stuff I'm doing and they're excited about it. And I'm excited that they're excited about it. You know, like, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. Uh, it's super <laughs> sick when I get messages from people who are just like, hey, you know, I really, like, like your work. Let's talk poetry. I'm like, yes, this is this is the best. Like, I want, I would love to, I would love to do this. And that's like, those are some of like the greatest things that happen on a day-to-day basis. And it's really cool that like that can happen, that can actually happen on a day-to-day basis. Like I have a friend in the Czech Republic who writes like great poetry and like we chat and talk about that all the time. I'm just like, this is fucking sick. Like across the world, you and me sharing love of poetry. That's really, really fucking cool. It's super sick. And then at the same time, like Instagram is like banning sex workers and like queer people of color from their platforms. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Like that fucking sucks. Fuck yeah. Yeah, honestly, like that's a 
those those kind of things are also like what it is I'm trying to like that I want to try to write about because I feel like I feel like there is um one of the things that has come from social media is uh the attempt to compartmentalize many of the complicated emotions and narratives of what human beings exist as into a neatly a, a neat pretty package that is easily digestible on a regular basis that is not offensive whatsoever and i feel like that's yeah. kind of what like the instagram social media landscape is doing is like there, there are all of these people who have like these drastically different experiences and they want to like share them and talk about them and they're just being like steamrolled over because those are things that like our fucking government thinks are like unethical or like shouldn't be seen by people and i think that like another thing that artists should do is like we should try to uh push the boundaries on those things like we should like have a critical mind and like be able to be like yeah you know there's a lot of great shit happening but also like let's look a little bit closer <laughs> at these great things <laughs> and pick them apart because like there is no perfectly working system and a lot of the things that like bring us joy are also things that are like used to um undercut our strength and power and like our agency no dude fuck yeah that that realization is very important. I think like every everything is a double edged sword yeah. in some ways, right? Like, but the, be bad. Yeah, I know. But this idea of like this push and pull, right? Like this idea of like we want to connect, but like there's also this like overlying structure of corporatism. Yeah, it's like that exists and is maybe not. I mean, maybe it is it's very hard to parse out, actually, to be perfectly honest. Like, I mean, like it could be beneficial or or harmful, depending on how one interacts with it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very confusing. It's like it's so complicated. Like, it's like trying to it's like trying to talk about like uh, the 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 great things you get from capitalism and all the terrible things like I can get cheap. Uh, I can get fairly cheap uh, jeans um, and I can clothe myself like all right most of the time um, at, at the current time of life. I can clothe myself pretty well if I like pay attention to it at the expense of like so many other people's lives. Yeah, no, um, for sure. And like understanding that like broader system of it, like there's a lot of fucking horror involved there you know yeah, capitalism is like one of those things that's been around for so long like i it's like you can you can do what you can do but like social media the internet's like one of these new things that's cropped up and like it hasn't been around very long and i feel like it's still at a pivotal pivotal point where people can care enough about it to make sure that there are not people who are being actively um shafted to the side of um internet society just for the sake of like pleasant consumerism but like all that being said like that's not the first thing i think when i whip out my phone in the morning at all and it's just hard it's just like hard to keep those things in your head at the same time no for sure like i think that that's one of the things that like i really connected with like in your work is like you did seem to have like or you do seem to have like this kind of vision in terms of like what it's all about underneath it all, which 
makes total sense to me. Like, yeah, I think um, I think an aspect of art that, like, the an aspect of creating art that isn't spoken about often is the need for um cultural and social criticism, uh, to be a inherent aspect of it, specifically when those like specifically when like forms of art are being used and broadcast around or used and broadcast through um tools of um abject consumerism yeah no definitely but like i also like don't know how you're supposed to do that at all (laughs) like i don't have the slightest clue (laughs) yeah no that's gosh that's a fucking great point too it's like how do we divorce ourselves from these narratives that we've really like kind of been fostered in in some ways like i remember uh talking to a friend of mine um a couple of months back uh it was was actually um right as um the election was coming around uh they were taking a break from social media and they were like yeah you know i kind of want to get off of uh, social media for a bit because like i'm kind of getting really fed up with how much um all my liberal friends are like posting about like we need to get trump out of office and shit like that and I was like, oh, that's really interesting that, like, you're bothered by, like, how vocal your liberal friends are at the moment. And they were like, yeah, I'm, like, bothered by it because they didn't say anything the first time Trump, like, when, they didn't say anything when, like, Trump was first running. They hardly said anything, like, during uh, most of his presidency and are just, like, now becoming vocal about things. And, you know, like, they probably are going to stop talking about anything that everybody's been talking about over the last eight months once like uh, if biden wins and uh they messaged me like a couple of days ago and they're like yeah nobody's got anything to repost anymore and i was like <laughs> yeah I, you're you're right you're right uh there's there's really nothing to say about that um it's you know trying to like digest how uh our social places on the internet can create these weird echo chambers that get very loud for a while and then die off um yes like that's and that being like kind of a symptom of like the existence of social media to begin with is really really weird it's always important to like keep that in mind when you're interacting with these platforms i do just want to say real quick is that most of the people that design them are very smart and probably pretty awesome but they do understand how like psychology works and the way that the apps are designed is to keep you using them yeah which means that they are addictive in some way and so just be a fucking aware of that (laughs) like please yes (laughs) it's a very fucking cool thing a very cool opportunity but like powerful drugs should be sampled selectively. Yeah, like don't go full hog on that. There is a reason that Zeus locked up Prometheus. <laughs> I went to a great book program. I read the Iliad once or twice. <laughs> okay, dude, thank you so fucking much for talking to me about all this shit. Yeah, like, no, do you have blast. any? Do you have any like questions? No, me too. I this is fucking amazing. Do you have any like questions or like? Is there anything I didn't ask about that you would like to speak on or like mention or anything like that? No, I, like, like I like I said twenty five minutes ago, I've talked enough. 
could you take us out with one of your poems? Yes, definitely. Hey, what's up? This is Lexa from the future. Just popping in here to make a little note that we took a little intermission at this point before coming back. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Cheers. Okay, apologies. I am back. I know. I just had to um, title this poem real fast. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear it. Because I, I, I don't title anything. <laughs> I think that's okay, though. I mean, well, yes, whatever. Philosophical ideas about naming poetry aside. <laughs> yes. Honestly, it's just mad at it. <laughs> like, I just got, um, I just got a rejection letter that came back, like, last week. And they're like, hey, um your titles for your poems are very bad. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Wait, that's, that, is what, that was their problem with your shit. I, that was one of them. Um, it was that. Uh, and another problem was, or it wasn't like necessarily a problem. It was just like some feedback or a critique, but they're like, yeah, um, you write like a lot of uh, like protest poems and like, they don't necessarily follow like poetic rules because like they're a little bit more on like they're a little bit too political to be a poem and it was like yeah stuff like that dude i'm sorry but like should there be fucking rules for what a poem should be i don't think there should be many um maybe these institutions that are dictating these ideas like need to be dissolved yeah that's all like honestly like there is a um there is a really big push um, in uh, academic poetry to uh, stay as apolitical as possible. Uh, uh, the U.S. has like never been like a really big um, proponent for for um, political poetry, and it's become even more so like the last uh, the last like ten or 10, 15 years or so. It's just like not something that people really want to uh, have published. Like there's specific kind of ways you're supposed to write about racism in the country um and if you have too much of a political leaning in the way that you do it like it's just not gonna get published if you don't fucking like write about racism in the way that the fucking racist system is comfortable with it then that's not a fucking i'm sorry (laughs) fucking thing like it's i've been i I don't want to talk your ear off anymore. No, dude, like... But it's like, yeah. There's like, um, it's this... There's a really, really weird situation that our country has with, like, how you're... How people of color are supposed to talk about race uh, within the arts, like... And it's become, a lot, like, a lot more prevalent um, the last 10 years or so because it's, like, a really, really big focus on the experiential issue that one has through racism but it's also discouraged to like abstract that like abstract those feelings out into like the political realm so like i um like my my, a lot of my poetry has like a very anti-police and anti-capitalism uh like anti those those themes like running throughout it and you can't really publish poetry that is like overtly anger hostile towards cops or the government, even if it is about like your own racial experiences. 
there's like an extent that you're able to do that. And they're like the people who are able to do it are like, you know, typically the genius poets of our generation. Like, like Claudia Rankin has a, um, has two books of poetry. Like, uh, one, one is citizen and the other is just us. And it is a sweeping, um, critique of, uh, microaggressions and just like the term microaggression um and her whole project is like about uh actually giving credence to like how harmful and painful and psychically disrupting disrupting those uh, experiences are and it's a they're, they're both two beautiful uh two beautiful uh works and like she, she's i mean she's a genius like obviously like you couldn't not publish her work she's a fucking genius um and and i am in no way trying to say that i'm like on that level at all (laughs) that's not what i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say is like there's a lot of work like rankin's work or rankin's work i don't i'm actually not sure how to pronounce her name but there's a lot of work like um there's a lot of work like hers uh that people are writing and shit like that who like they don't really get published because like they don't have the um they don't have the prestige and pedigree that she's worked her ass off to have but yeah there's just like you know there's a certain kind of flavor to like how you're supposed to write black poems unless like you're one of the black geniuses uh unfortunately i'm not there but at the same time like i think that like the in general like academic poetry is um pretty happy sitting at like sitting with how apolitical it is at the moment okay yeah no dude that totally fucking makes sense <laughs> like and i do just want to say like contextualize your poetry however you like but it's effective thank you for how many liberals there are who write poetry the journals should be flooded with anti-trump poetry but you know that's just political and it doesn't get published (laughs) okay so where can people find your work um you can find my work on instagram it's uh sex underscore meat as in uh m-e-a-t or you could also um i think if you google e.a.tolls uh poetry like my instagram will come up uh you can also check blaze vox magazine uh fig root press wayne literary journal and uh an instagram called lines of information uh and that's yeah that's how you can find any of my work hell yeah dude okay so like I'm super stoked to hear some of your stuff. Uh, um, all right, I'll uh, I'll read the first one first. And uh, this poem is titled "Jazz Refrain: Dead Kings." Sing of flesh made profane, the cedar brown, sun-kissed, black near blue. This honey coffee dripping like God, delicious. Hold me up with my brothers and sisters and their flesh. Sing of bloody streets awash with many faces. Seven wounds from America. Even Christ only died with five. Flesh torn all year of wrists raw chained to dead land. Dead ideals. Dead hope. Dead black skin cut up. Raw. Stitched to cover this soul empty. Places drowning in all of its whiteness. Sing jazzy refrains or plain hip-hop scat bars rubbed deep in my palms. Stories creased in my fingerprints, these slave ships shifting on waves awaiting a life of open wounds. 
They want white so much they'll beat you to the bone. Dead promises, dead kings, dead Hamptons, dead Taylors, dead Floyds. Sing for the white silence loud as beating fists or gunshots. La 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 la, I can't hear you. I'm singing, singing, singing for all of the breathless dead. All right, fuck yeah. Thanks again to EA Tolls. I appreciate everything, dude. Hell yeah. Don't forget to check out his work on Instagram at sex underscore meat, M-E-A-T. And there's also a list of links to his stuff that will be in the notes for this episode. So check that out. Okay, so I have this thing where I can sometimes be sort of an asshole to myself. Working on that, right? So when I made my list of 10 things to not be a dick about, I did five for me and five for other people. I'm not going to like read this list here because I don't know, it feels kind of like gross for some reason and I don't know, boring, but it, it was a really good exercise to do. I would recommend it. You can write it in your magic journal. Don't forget to journal along with the notes about whatever else you're up to. Maybe you're writing some poetry about your experiences too. That's cool. Uh, poetry is often present in ritual in the form of words spoken, and as I mentioned earlier, spells are usually poems too. But one idea that I really like is to create poetry, or whatever, in the context of ritual. I came upon the work of a poet named C.A. Conrad, who has a very interesting process of doing this called somatic poetry rituals. Uh, the term somatic refers to the body, by the way. Um, and Conrad's process seems to have to do with like really being present in the moment by letting oneself experience one's own like sensory inputs, like sometimes in novel ways. I put a link to their blog with a list of r- rituals that you can try, which is very cool. Um, to give you all a bit of a flavor for it, I'm just going to share the beginning of one of Conrad's rituals called equilibrium transmission. All right, this is the instructions. Please think of a word. This is the beginning. Write it on your skin with a pen. Create space by an open window to sit comfortably with a table and chair. Bring a pitcher of water and a clear drinking glass and mark the middle of the glass with a pen or tape. To enter this ritual, we will braid our senses for a moment. Place your face near the glass on the table. Look while listening for the water to reach the mark when poured. Closely listen while watching the water hit it. Do this three times, then do it a fourth time with your eyes closed. So I just think that it's like super cool, like this idea of like braiding the senses and like sort of like really getting yourself into this like headspace before beginning the creation process. Um, it's like, like it's sort of like an intentional like synesthesia or whatever. I don't know. It's cool stuff. Check it out. All right, I mentioned this in a sort of like shadow aspect earlier in the episode during my rant about that terrible company that uses prison labor and psychologically abuses their customers. But there is another angle from which we can approach the concept of how like our pictures of reality are made. All right, so I was struck by a sort of, I don't know, arcane revelation or whatever. It's been a couple of years now. but It had to do with the power that artists and creators have, especially the storytellers. I'm going to read from Ramsey Dukes's Sitsamami. All right. Quote, it's useless to ask the magician if God, angels, or demons, quote, really exist. Simply by saying the words, you have made them exist. 
ask again whether these abstract entities can produce any effect on the physical world, and they already have. They have caused you to ask the question. I think that's kind of a fun example of this. Um, as of the time of this recording, I'm currently exploring path 14 art in the Ankh system, Ankh is not Kabbalah, or Chaos Kabbalah, uh, which con this path connects the sphere of agency with the sphere of thought. All right, so there's the idea that if we can't know the absolute, like, big T truth, then it's up to us to decide what little t truths we accept and use. There's a seemingly endless barrage of little truths trying to get us to accept them. And this web of interaction is what makes up reality or what we experience as reality, like a consensus or an agreement between everybody about what's real. Art could be about doing this with intention and with attention to what picture of the world we create in the process. There's always a war going on, a war of will having to do with what will and will not be reality. In some points in European history, it like straight up was it okay to like make art about anything other than like the church or the, the noble people or whatever. That was like all you were allowed to do is sort of like prop up the authorities. Um, I think that they got it, right? They, they understood the power that the artists had back then. And I, I feel like it's something that we seem to have like sort of forgotten about maybe, or like it's just something we choose to ignore like since the enlightenment. But yeah, I guess it's just sort of one of those like open quote, I don't know, occult secrets. Again, big air quotes here around the phrasing for that. <laughs> um, so I don't know, think about that when you're making stuff, right? When you're writing or making art, or when you're like using energy from the green mushroom project to like empower your work, which is something you can totally do. I mean, what picture of reality are you helping to build and like, does it suit you? All right. I want to thank Lee for the very, very cool green mushroom ornament. I absolutely love it. Shout out to Ramsey and the other yet to be discovered members of the Weird Impulse crew. <laughs> And also to Thrift Store Barbie and everyone on the Faith Blind Council Discord server. What's up? And a very special shout out to all of you listening right now. I super fucking appreciate it. You all are the best. I love hearing from you. So please keep it up. You can hit me up at luxacultpod at gmail.com. Or you can find me on the Instagram at luxacultpod, and you can check out my weird mashup project of art and magic and other shit, a lot of stuff going on, um, at The Mimetic Disease. And don't forget to check out the Sigil account for the Green Mushroom Project and follow the Green Mushroom hashtag. All right. If you want to hear more of my stuff, you can check out the podcast that I make with my brother, Asher, Ad Hoc History. It's not the history podcast you wanted, but it's the one you deserve. Uh, and you can also hear Asher in the Explaining Chaos Magic episodes to my brother. Those are pretty fun. You should check them out. All right. I also want to recommend the Occult Confessions and the Dark Pool podcasts. Both are super fun and cool shows. Occult Confessions is doing a series on the history surrounding chaos magic, which has been really enjoyable so far. And there's an episode coming up soon where me and my friend uh, Naya Ain talk with Rob, who's one of the hosts of, of that show, um, about chaos magic. 
And you can hear my interview with Rob about theater and ritual in an earlier episode of this show. So check that out too. So thanks to Rob and Olivia and the, all the alchemical actors for having us on the show. Good times. Very fun. Um, I'm super looking forward to interviewing Naya Ain and Ninov about the Ankh system here in the near future. It's very cool stuff. I've been getting a lot from the work that I'm doing. So thank you guys so much for including me in the project. Um, I also want to thank Ninov for helping me come up with the idea of Fungal Friday. Um, by suggesting that we have like a sort of like set time frame to like focus our efforts on. So fuck yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, if you want to be part of the green mushroom working, you can do so by working with the sigil uh, to bring about healing and repair. Um, there's going to be there's going to be some links about the projects in the notes for the show. Um, and as I mentioned, you can follow the Instagram account at hypho sigil and the hashtag the green mushroom. All right. And for real, do not forget to check out EA Toll's writing and all of the fucking dope stuff, photography, um, fun pictures, <laughs> perverted cartoons, all kinds of great stuff. Um, you can find that on Instagram um, at sex underscore M-E-A-T. And check out the list of links that I have in the show notes to um, some, of his, some of his other writings and stuff. All right. Speaking of EA Tolls and the Green Mushroom Project, I would like to leave you all with a piece written and read by EA Tolls for the Green Mushroom Working. Thank you so much for listening to Luxacult. Please take care of yourselves. Don't forget to journal and fucking stay curious. This is a poem titled Laying Bare. This is the long sense of enduring. You take years, months, all of what you want to reform. Somewhere I have found a creek. There are memories as bright as koi down here. I drain the riverbed, hoping there is not enough room to grow. If I swear by God, I swear by my failures. As the sun hangs limp in the sky, we teach ourselves riddles intertwined with our fingers. In my mind, I am the coward. I cannot taste mercury. The worms here do not grow wings. Spit shine, ludicrous laughing giant. Still what you may. Keep your flame afloat in your mouth. Swallow the laid bare tongue. From mud, from clay, from squandered ground bones, I write myself any other name. Powder my voice bleak in mourning, wage the old man war across my pores and cock. Sweet thunder, my lust is a fever, my touch an apology a question, a denial an invitation. Only marrow speaks to marrow, the pattern laid bare with want and quivering goose flush, sorted on what can't be swallowed. How does a soul weather anxiety? Must we even count our teeth as we chew? Thank you.